out at the men's breakfast, um, then you're out the walk, maybe as a family as well. We're going to pray for this offering. We're also going to take time just to pray for the missionaries, pray for the message this morning. A few ways that you can give is electronically. If you haven't set that up, you can text the word Grace Point GF to 77977, or you can go to our website, gracepointny.org. And when you go to giving, there's a section for missions where you can give as the ushers come around. Father, we thank you so much, God, for missionaries. Lord, even some of us in this own room, as families have been impacted by missionaries, God, and we thank you for that. God, we thank you for this local missions here at CareNet. Father, we pray, God, that they would rescue more and more and more lives, that moms and dads would come to faith in Jesus Christ, and that you would restore families, God. Father, we pray for all of our missionaries, that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them. Lord, let this offering be used as provision. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While they're coming around, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read the Bible standing up today. I'm going to ask us to turn to Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. Just give me a moment to get there. While you're turning to Luke 10, if you're using a paper Bible, verse 38, um, the note sheet today, we're talking uh, the last in the series of hearing the voice of God. And so in the note sheet, there's not a lot of blanks. It just says pretty much, what is God speaking to you? And so we're going to believe we're going to hear the voice of God, and we're going to write those things down as he does speak to us. Luke 10, verse 38 through 42. I'm reading from the NLT. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed her into welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and will not be taken away from her father. God, I ask, Lord, for an anointing to share your word and for strength to do it. Lord, give us ears to hear what you're speaking, Holy Spirit. Give us faith to respond. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated title of the message is the most important time of your life. Most important time of my life, the most important time of your life. In verse 38, the Bible says Jesus was on his way somewhere with his disciples. And Martha welcomes Jesus into her home. Now, as a believer, there's a parallel here, as a believer, we do the same when we become born again. Jesus is approaching towards us. And we respond and we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We welcome him into this home. The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But how many of you know that even though like Martha, who welcomes Jesus into our home, believers at times, we may not understand how important the time with Jesus really is. See, in verse 39 in the Passion Translation, the Bible says that Mary sat down at the feet of Jesus sat down. In order for you and I to sit down, we also need to slow down. We need to slow down. When Many times when I open the Bible to read, I whisper a prayer and it says, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Verse 39 tells us that there was an intimacy that Jesus was drawing Mary into 
And Mary responded to it. It's an intimacy where we hear the truth. It's an intimacy and one-on-one with Jesus when we hear who we are in Christ, when we hear direction for our lives. It's where we hear the truth of God. And it's not just in those moments, but we keep listening throughout the day. We keep abiding in Christ. But the Bible says in verse 40, Martha was distracted. Distracted. A little earlier in Luke chapter 10, and this is from, again, the Passion Translation, verse 4 says this, You won't need to take anything with you. Trust in God alone. This is Jesus speaking. And don't get distracted from my purpose by anyone you might meet along the way. How many of you know that when our heart gets too involved in something that is wrong, which it shouldn't in the first place, but when we go deep with with our heart, it's impossible to hear God. You can't hear truth anymore. The Bible tells us that in relationships, bad company corrupts good character. Sometimes we get, and I'm not just talking about romantic relationships, which we'll talk about in a second, but even at times we may get linked up with somebody who has a wrong idea, even what ministry is supposed to be. We begin to get a misconception or even believe a lie of what truth is. And so when our hearts get too involved, we, we can't hear truth. We can get distracted from someone we might meet along the way. And this may be for someone, but the Bible also tells us not to be unequally yoked. If you're a single person in here, and I'm not just talking about young people, but if you're a single person in here, it's very clear if you're a born-again Christian, you're a believer, and you meet someone who's not, there's nothing to pray about if you should be in a relationship with them. You're not supposed to. The Bible makes it very clear not to be unequally yoked. You will dull out the voice of God being in that relationship, and you will not come to a place of hearing truth. I think about people that have even decided to live together that are not married, They put themselves in that position. Now they may say, well, pastor, we're not doing anything physically. But the Bible says not even a hint of sexual immorality. A hint happens when two people leave the same front door in the morning and the neighbor has a hint. And so we are not to do that. But when people, the reason I bring this up is because in Luke chapter 10, it says, don't be distracted by anyone you might meet along the way. And so, those people that are living together that are not married will not hear, will put themselves in a position to hear truth, to hear direction. In verse 40, the Bible says that Martha was planning a big dinner. In other words, in essence, a big stage, a big career, a big wedding, the big ministry, chasing the big dream, yet missing Jesus. See, the cultural expectation was to make a meal. Now, I don't know if they were just making it for Jesus and the disciples. The Bible says that there were other guests. Maybe there were other people already coming over. But how many of you know that culture can lead you to exhaustion? It's always Christ over culture. Jesus never asked Martha for a meal. In verse 40, we see that not being with Jesus... What does Martha do? Martha comes to Jesus and says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. When we stop being with Jesus, when we stop that one-on-one most important time of our life, that intimacy with Jesus, we begin to start telling Jesus what to do 
instead of listening to what he wants us to do and obeying him, we tell him what we think is best. And we see this in Martha's life. She comes to Jesus and says, isn't this unfair? What, Jesus, you need to turn this situation around. She interrupts him. I love it because Martha is the one who welcomes him into her home. And oftentimes, believers will welcome Jesus into their life and then complain about what Jesus wants to do. But who we are in Jesus is more important than what we do for him. She interrupts him and says, Jesus, don't you have the plan backwards? Don't you see how busy I am? But the question is, who is king? If Jesus is king, then we live under his authority. If Jesus is Lord, then we submit to him as master under his authority. We submit under the authority of the word of God, the complete word of God. But then there's other authorities in our lives. There's God-sanctioned authorities in our lives. And yes, when, a God, when, when, a, when an authority in our life begins to tell us to do something that's contradictory to the scripture, we do not do it. But let me tell you that showing up on time for your job is not contrary to the scripture. And me and you doing what our bosses ask us to do, that's not contrary to the scripture, means that we are putting ourselves under authority. Why is this so important? Because I'm going to tell you this, beloved, if you are a rebel, you won't hear from God. I am under authority. Pastor Daniel tells me to do something, I say yes. If he tells me to do something different the next day, I say yes. I am under authority. So, I have a question for you. Do you, and Pastor Daniel, let me tell you something. I don't know if he's listening to this message or the first one or any of them right now. Him and his wife are needed rest for their anniversary. But, do you have a pastor? Maybe you don't have to answer it. And he doesn't ask me to share this. But do you have a pastor? Do you know the role of a spiritual leader? Do you know that many people will go to church their entire life and never have a pastor? They will never come under the authority of somebody. I think the most rebellious person in all the world is someone that's not under spiritual authority. I thank God for Pastor Daniel's kindness and his humility last week because he shared something in those seven ways that we hear from God. And he said this. He said, does your church family agree? You know, he could have said, does your pastor agree? But he chose not to. Out of humility. But the reality is that God places spiritual leaders into our lives. And if we want to hear from God, we have to walk under authority. If we want to hear from God, we can't be a, a rebel at our workplace and show up when we want to show up, do what we want to do, steal what we want to steal, do our job the way we want to see fit and say, God, give me direction for today. It doesn't work. And so Martha is stuck. Martha is stuck on the, the big dinner, the big thing, the big, the big, the big, that's America, right? Bigger, better, and bigger is always better. But Philippians 3, 7 through 9 says this, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage. Someone can say, ouch, garbage, our careers, our, our humanitarian efforts to the community. Garbage, he considered it as 
so I could gain Christ and become one with him. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I no longer count on my own righteousness because he goes on to say, but being right with God has to do with faith, not my works and not my efforts. Now, verse 41, Jesus responds to Martha, and in the Amplified translation, this is how he responds. He says, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious by so many things. I know that's none of us here. Martha was worried. She was bothered and she was anxious by so many things. Sometimes we wear worry on our sleeve as a badge of honor. We tell people, if I'm not worrying, parents would often say, right, if I'm not worrying about my child, I'm really not caring. But the Bible says, do not worry. So how many of you know when the Bible says, don't do something and we do it, it's called sin. That's why the Bible says, those who sin much, love much. When we realize how much we really sin, we really begin to love God. So young person, when you walk into your exam and you feel like this, okay, and you begin to worry, I just want you to know it is sin. And then I want you to go to God and say, God, I'm sinning right now, but give me your supernatural peace and wisdom for this exam. And, and so, because that is the reality of our Christian life. Martha was worried. She was bothered. She was anxious. Verse 41, he begins to talk to her and says, these things that you're, you're worried about, these things, they're not the most important thing. So the question then comes to us, even as people, if we serve in a certain ministry, did God actually tell us to do that? Here at Grace Point, the goal is not more numbers to serve in more places. The goal is that you fit into the body of Christ exactly where you're supposed to be. And so you have to ask the question, did God speak to me? Did God tell me to serve there? Did God tell me to become a CEO? Does God want me to own my own company? Is God moving me in that direction? Is God speaking to me? Do I have a clear answer? Can I hold on and press in and pray through until I get an answer from God instead of trying to figure it out myself? In verse 42, Jesus also says that Mary discovered the one thing most important. She chose to sit at my feet. She's undistracted and it will not be taken away from her. Now she makes a choice. She prioritizes her life. She has to say no to certain things so she can say yes to Jesus. She has to guard and protect this time just like you and I have to guard and protect the time. We will have to say no to certain things including good things which we'll talk about a little bit later in order for this to be the most important time of our life. Some of you need to stop serving in one of the 16 ministries that you serve in in order to spend time with Jesus. Luke 8.18 says this, and it's really important, because remember, Jesus said this will not be taken away from her. Jesus, what are you talking about? It won't be taken away from her. In the Amplified Translation, Luke 8.18 says this, Be careful how you listen. Be careful how you and I listen. For whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given. This is Mary. And whoever does not have a longing for truth, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. So even as a message like this is shared Sunday after Sunday, or maybe you're in a community group, or maybe you're in a Bible study, whatever it may be, and the Word of God is being shared, there's many people that just go, and it's done. Those of you that are serving right now, those of you that are here, myself included, believe me, there's no pastor, any, any pastor that has a, 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 
a sensible heart will share this or anyone who preaches. We can't preach anything unless we go through it first. And so I'm talking to myself as well. If we don't have a longing for truth, if we don't have a, a teachable heart, when we hear something like this, it just gets taken away. A ministry friend who would rather remain unquoted, I'm going to take this from his page. There is a cycle. There's a cycle that you don't have it in your notes, but just listen. There's three parts in the Christian life that I'm going to mention. And it goes in this order. It's one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus. It's community. And I'm not speaking directly about community groups. I'm talking about people that are in our lives that we are pouring into or maybe pouring into us as well. And then it's ministry. And there's a reason why it's in this order. I'm going to give you some examples of what happens when we take one out. If you don't have one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus as the most important part of your life, and you jump right into community, you will expect people to meet needs that only God can. If you go right from one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus and jump right into ministry, then we leave no legacy. It's all about us. There's no one we can pour into. If you don't have community and you jump right into ministry, then you don't learn to live out what you believe. Because it's not that hard to spend one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus, show up for ministry and serve, and never have the hard conversations in between, never have the hard talks, never have the friction, never have the sharpening of one another, never have the conflict that we have to work through, never have the things in between in community. Because in community is one place where we learn to live out being a Christian. If you skip one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus and you skip community and you just jump to ministry, there's no anointing and there's no authority. There's no power in what you're called to do in this life. And I'm not just talking within the four walls of a church. I'm talking about whatever God has called you to do. Because how many you know spiritual giftings actually operate outside the church building? It just becomes mechanical. It becomes of the flesh. If all you have is ministry and you skip the other two, you'll find out real fast how boring ministry is and it can't meet your needs. This is why if you're a leader in this place, but if you lead a ministry here, or maybe you lead a parachurch ministry, maybe you, you, you lead somewhere. And I would tell you this too, even if you lead a company or a business, this is why it's so important that we don't rush the process. Must seek righteousness over excellence. As a pastor, if we have a need on a community group leader and this person has a gifting for teaching, and I just say, yep, throw them in there. They can teach. What a blessing to the body of Christ. But this person has no community around them. This person spends no one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus. Then I don't really care about that person. If I'm just letting them keep going and going like that. Because to really care about an individual means that you care about the most important part of their life, too. Now, I want to talk to you about primary calling and secondary calling. See, Mary, in the story here in Luke chapter 10, was able to sit down. She was able to slow down. How many of you know that if you have the itch, you can't sit down? How many of you know what I'm talking about, the itch? 
Some of you, you know, your spouse got the itch, right? They can't sit still. They can't stop. It's the next new thing, the next thing I'm going after. And they're just, it's very dangerous to be a driven person. The world loves drivenness. You go on a job interview, they're going to they're gonna love you if you're driven. But they don't care if you drive yourself right into the ground. There's a difference between being driven and called. Being driven is, is people that they just want to kick doors open. They want to push them open. They will climb that ladder regardless of how they get there. They're martyrs. They won't sit at the feet of Jesus. They won't have this priority in order of one-on-one time with Jesus first. Most important, being called is different. Being called is walking. It doesn't say running through. We're walking through the doors that God opens. We're at a pace where we can hear the voice of God. And I wish I always had this right, and I didn't share this in the first service, and it's not in the notes. I'm going to tell you a story, because this is the second service, and we don't have one after this. Well, Spanish is later, but that's later. And so we can take our time. Before coming here, I was working in a job that I knew God wasn't calling to me to do anymore, and it was very frustrating. And so I just wanted out. Even though I knew what God was calling me to do, I was willing to take something that was like what God was calling me to do. It's called an Ishmael, right? And so Teen Challenge, which is a wonderful ministry from Oklahoma called, and I have a background as an educator, and so they asked, pretty much we were interviewing to lead the Oklahoma Boys Teen Challenge School. And I was like, okay, I don't really want to move to Oklahoma, no offense from Oklahoma, but I have no desire to move to Oklahoma. My wife didn't want to move to Oklahoma, but I just didn't want to be where I was at. And it's only happened, really, twice, maybe three times in my life where the Lord visited me in a dream. And so I went to bed, and I had this dream, and I'm just, I'm walking in a line. There's a line of people, can't really see who's in front of me. But all I know, and some of you know exactly what I'm going to, what I'm saying when I say this, all, all I know is that the people were moving too slow. And I was in this line, and I tried, I, I stepped around, just remember this very clear, and tried to go, and all of a sudden an arm just sticks out. Now, the arm didn't hit me, it didn't hurt me. I didn't really feel like a violent, I didn't feel any type of violent strength, but it was supernatural in a way that just said I, I couldn't move. Woke up. And I knew the Lord was saying, slow down. Don't go around me. Don't try to go ahead. And some of us, we can be so driven, filled with our, our own ideas and agenda of what life and ministry should be that we can't hear God and we will go our own way. And if we don't have a desire to glorify God, we cannot expect to hear from Him daily. If our desire, if our chief desire in our heart is not to bring God glory, we cannot hear from Him daily. Pastor Carter Conlon, general overseer over at Times Square Church, said, we like to teach, but can we be taught? Husband, can your wife teach you? Wife, can your husband teach you? Young person, can your parents teach you? There's a plethora of information that you can get in a second, but you don't know how to process it yet, believe me. Can they teach you? Grandparents, learn from a, a younger generation. Only Betsy. <laughs> Can we learn? 
See, who we are in Christ is more important than what we do for him. Luke chapter 10, the disciples were rejoicing about how the demons were fleeing in their name. And in other words, if you can put this in modern day vernacular, the ministry was going really well. It was going well. People were showing up. People were getting saved. People were getting healed. They probably had a lot of followers on social media if they could at the time. I mean, things are going well. And Jesus says, wait, the most important thing that you should be rejoicing is that you're going to end up in heaven. But oftentimes we get bored with the presence of God. Oftentimes it's just not enough. See, our primary calling, and this is the only two fill-ins on on your handout if you're filling them in, our primary calling is to be a child of God and a testimony in this world. That's it. That is our primary calling. We are created by God for God. We're created by God for God. Our primary calling is child of God to be a testimony in this world. And guess what? It sustains our secondary calling. If God has called you to preach, if God has called you to teach, if God's called you to do whatever he's calling you to do in life, our primary calling sustains the secondary calling. God wants us to do what he's called us to do long term. That's why time with God and his people helps sustain later. This is my plug. I said in the first service for the young adult retreat. And I'm not going to apologize for this at all. Young people, God has called you to do something. But I will tell you that on this treat, our focus really is primary calling. It's God, prepare me for what you've called me to do. If God shows up and speaks to you in a clear way and says this is exactly the next step, that would be amazing. But let me tell you something. You have to make the time for things like this. You have to make the time to be refreshed, to put yourself in a position to hear from God. I think about people that move forward. They move forward in their academics. They move forward in their careers. They move forward in their job skills. But spiritually, all of a sudden, they stay still. You take a a young college person, for example. They leave high school in one spiritual condition. Whether that's good or bad, they are leaving in a spiritual condition. And then they say, well, it's so busy college that I don't have the time to connect. I don't have the time to do this one-on-one time with Jesus. I have so many tests, so many exams. And they grow in academics. And I'm not against academics. I have a a master's degree in education. Okay? I understand the the importance and the value of, of learning and growing. But it's not the most important thing. I will tell you that. And so they're, they're growing in academics and they're growing in their skills and they're growing in their abilities. And all of a sudden they get to graduation day and spiritually they stayed here and nothing happened internally that by the time they get into their career, and if you're a little older here, you know what I'm talking about. They walk into a career not spiritually growing, and then the person that's trying to cheat on their spouse starts flirting with them. Will they have the power to stand? Will you have the power to stand? You think of people that are just starting out their career. I I, I don't have the time to fellowship. I don't have the time to be one-on-one with Jesus. I don't have the time. There's never a season where God says it's okay not to be intimate with Jesus. It just changes. I have four little children at home. The time that I used to love to pray, so on and so forth, it changes. 
But there's always time. You must say no to other things and make the time. You have to trust God that if you do a little less schoolwork, a little less work, that God in his sovereignty can make up the difference as you put him first. Can we learn a lesson from the little boy with loaves and fish that we come and we give the little bit to God and he multiplies it? That we can put him first, that the most important time of our life can be our one-on-one time with Jesus. Why is this so important, beloved? Because I believe with my heart that COVID was just a warm-up for whatever is going to come. I do. And if you're not reading the Bible and spending time with Jesus, you may believe something different. But it's clear in the scripture. It is. COVID was a warm-up, and if we want to stand, we want the power to stand, we want the power to speak, we're going to have to get this one-on-one time, the most important time of our life, correct. We only give out what we receive from God. John 3.27, John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. Now turn with me to Luke 15, please. Luke 15, verses 8 through 10, familiar story about the parable of a lost coin. It says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now, these coins actually have a meaning behind here. A Bethlehem woman, when she got married, received a gift from her bridegroom. It was a necklace with ten silver coins. That's what the Bible's talking about here. This gift was to be guarded and prized by the bride. If she is careless, it can be communicated as a lack of affection and respect for her husband. seeing the parallel to our intimacy with Jesus. We are the bride of Christ. He gives us a gift of intimacy with him. But at times we can lose it. This gift is to be guarded and prized. And if we're careless, we can communicate to our Lord that our affection and our respect is for somebody else. The husband could even think that she paid for a lover with the lost coin. And for us, the time that we're supposed to be spending with Jesus, we can also pay for a lover. Because the time that we are meant to be spending alone with Jesus, we're spending it on something else or someone else. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. See, these coins were held sacred by the Jewish people. And what's amazing is that these coins cannot be used for a debt. If this family had a bill, they didn't get together and say, hey, let's take out the necklace and let's use these coins to pay a debt. In other words, just the time with Jesus doesn't say we get heaven. The devotional intimacy with Jesus does not pay our debt. Only Jesus did that on the cross. The wife can use it in one situation. 
if she became a widow. So you may be sitting here and you're saying, well, well, pastor, that feels more like me right now. I haven't been intimate with Jesus. I haven't been spending time with him, pouring my heart out to him. And so maybe I'm no longer married. Well, let me tell you something. Jeremiah 3.14, the Bible says that he's married to the backslider. There's no excuse. This coin is to be used as a priceless treasure, guarded and protected. And it makes sense now, her, her reaction when she finds the coin. She's rejoicing and she begins to call in her neighbors. See, when, when we surrender this time of our life with Jesus, it becomes the most important part of our life. Nobody has to push us to evangelize. Nobody has to push us to start telling our co-workers and our neighbors, so on and so forth, about Jesus. We will want to tell others about who he is and what he's doing in our life because we are spending the most important time of our life with Jesus. She finds the intimacy again. And you know, losing the coin in the house also speaks about a person who may be serving in the house and they can lose the intimacy. That we jump right to ministry, bypass community, and skip over one-on-one time with Jesus. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. Luke 10, 41 through 42, I want to read it again, except in the Passion Translation at the end of that part with Martha and Mary, it says it this way, the Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? That's Jesus speaking. Are they really that Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She's undistracted. And I won't take this privilege from her. Sit at my feet. But what does that mean? It means you and I figure out what part of the day we have the least distractions. And we open up the Bible. And we read it. Folks, I'm not against the Bible app. I use it. I'm not against the Christian radio station. We thank God for it. But I'm not talking about when you get the text first of the day and you read that a couple of times and you put it in your pocket. I'm talking about when you and I get alone with Jesus. Whether it's waking up 20 minutes earlier, going to bed 20 minutes earlier, so we can get up in the morning. Maybe it's stepping back from a certain ministry for a season. Maybe it's, you have to say no. You and I have to learn to say no and be okay with it. Because in these moments is when we open up the Bible, and it may only be a few verses like we read today, but we sit there and we take our time. And we let the Holy Spirit speak to us like a mirror hear the voice of God speaking to us and giving us direction. It's where we pray. And there are certain things I pray for every day, but then there are also times where the Holy Spirit will start to burden you for somebody. And you begin to pray and you pray and you pour out your heart like water to the Lord. It's where you're completely honest. You're in the presence of God. It's when you begin to worship and praise God. Let me 
tell you that the Bible says that the praise is the fruit of our lips. So whether you can technically sing or not, worship is a part of our lives. Worship is a part of this time where we get along with Jesus. We begin to sing a song, and it may be a song. The Bible says that he will give us a new song. It may not be a song you've heard before. It could be, but it may be a new song, and we get along with Jesus like Mary did. It's refreshing in the presence of God, and it's throughout the day. It's not just that one time, but I have a question for you. What are you doing that is not important? Really, at the end of it all, Jesus said, Jesus said it. He said, are they really that important? Are these things really that important? What are we doing that's not important? Could it be, are we trying to climb the ladder? Too much time on social media? Are we living to seek man's approval? Some of us spend our days just trying to get the approval of man. What are we doing that's not important, but it's pulling us away from Jesus? The other question is, what are you doing that's good, but you've placed in competition with Jesus? Sometimes we can put our grades, young people, in competition, our ministry, career. Have have you placed a, a child in competition with Jesus? Spouse. Every home should be a little church, a picture of a church, you know that. But it's not in competition with Jesus. Galatians 5 7 says, You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? Is there is there someone in your life? Are you in a relationship right now that's a distraction to following God? God will give you the courage to get out, to surrender it. Would you stand with me? If you want a word, I'm going to read this verse to you. If you want, if you and I want a word from God for the hour we're living in, it's going to cost something. If parents, listen, if you want a word for your children, you want to walk in your home with authority, and I'm not talking about bullying children or grandchildren. I'm talking about walking in godly authority that when you open up your mouth, it hits the mark. You want a word. Jeremiah 23, 22 says this, if they had stood before me and listened to me, that means time. If If we spend that time in the presence of God, if we're listening to him, They would have spoken my words. They would have turned my people from their evil ways and deeds. If we want a word from God for the hour we're living in, then our one-on-one time with Jesus has to be the most important time of our life. If you want to stand in the hour we're living in, the Bible says in Revelation 3.18, I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. And then you'll be rich. Matthew 15, 8 says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far. I've been there. I've been there where I can come into a church service and sing a song and lift my hands and thank God we're welcomed. We're welcomed, but I knew in my heart the last thing I wanted to do was actually be in this building on a Sunday. My wife knows that. 
there are times where I, I have to come and I'm just like, I, honestly, I, I, I wish I could just get in my car and go alone with Jesus. Because when that's not where it should be, all the others don't matter. But if you want to stand, you and I want the power of God. I want to read this verse to you in Acts 4. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind in which you must be saved. When they saw the courage, the courage, they saw power coming out of Peter and John's life. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men like you and I, they were astonished. And here's the key. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. These men, like you and I, just ordinary people, if we would just be with Jesus, we will hear from him. If we would be with him, we'll have power to stand. If we'll be with him, we'll have a word for this generation. If we would be with him. It's where God wants to give you strength, where he desires to be intimate with you and with me. He desires this more than anything. I don't know if it was Pastor Floyd or James. Someone said this a little while ago. I think it was James. It wasn't. We didn't just get saved and then that's it. It was just about getting saved, going to heaven. We get saved, drop dead, and go right to heaven. He desires to use our lives. He desires to speak to us, not just in a building, but all the time. But it's going to take us making the most important time of our life, the one-on-one time with Jesus. It's where our Father tells us that He loves us. The greatest thing that you and I can ever hear from God is that we are His child. You know, there's a verse in the Bible, it, it says that the Spirit cries, Abba, Father. But then later on it says that we cry, Abba, Father. We have to go from knowing the truth because it's written in there to hearing the truth ourselves to hearing that we are his child, to hearing that we are loved, to hearing that we are chosen, to hearing that we are forgiven, to hearing that God wants to use our lives, but it's going to take slowing down. It will take you and I to to say no to certain things, even good things. It will take you and I to have the courage to say goodbye to some bad things and bad people. And it's going to take you and I saying yes. That wooing, come on, saints, you know what I'm talking about. When that wooing comes, you're sitting down, and I've been there, and, and it's frustrating at times. And you're sitting down, and you're about to turn on a movie, or you're about to turn something, you're about to want to do something else. It's not even a bad thing. And all of a sudden, in your heart, you feel that wooing. You feel that drawing. Go to another room and lay down. Go to another room and open up your Bible. And I shared in the first service, I believe with, with all my heart, and I really do, that one day you and I, if we want to preach this gospel, we're going to end up in jail. It's already hate speech. It's not going to become hate speech. It is. But if we want the power to stand and not hide in a cave somewhere or hide in a thicket or hide in a corner, and you and I want the power to stand, it's going to be people that have been with Jesus. Some of you have more dangerous jobs than I do. You run into fires or you run into police situations or maybe you have a real hostile work environment. But, you know, when I leave in the morning, sometimes when I kiss my children and my wife goodbye, I wonder if this is the day that it really is goodbye. That maybe they're going to have to visit daddy in jail for preaching the gospel. But you know what? We came across something in the young adult leadership team and it said, when you preach, make sure you preach something you're willing to die for. And so this is Christianity. 
what it takes, like Mary, to sit at the feet of Jesus and say, this is the most important time of my life. I want to give one altar call this morning. Very simple. I'm going to ask you in a moment, if you want to respond, to slip out of your seat. And we're not going to lay hands today and pray over you. We just want you to spend some time with Jesus. Don't rush out of here. The most important time of our life, very simply, if this is the cry of your heart, come and pray. If this is the cry, draw me closer to you, God. Very simple. If that's the cry of your heart, come and pray and worship.